How are we doing? Oh my gosh, I have the best church ever. I love you guys. Can I be honest? Last week, I was in the church, and I got so many text messages from people saying, why didn't you tell us that you wouldn't be at church? How are you doing? Are you okay? Where are you? Why aren't you here? And I thought, man, if I ever went missing, like, I would be found immediately, because you guys are incredible. Thank you so much. Thank you for your love, and thank you for just being an incredible church. Honestly, um, I can just keep going about how amazing our church family is, so But uh, this morning, I have the privilege of concluding our series on the power of God, and uh, we have been exploring how God has empowered us in many different ways, right? How God has empowered us to reach new heights, to keep going, how God has empowered us to endure. You know, we had that message from Pastor Peter we had last week, how God has empowered us to step out. And this morning, we are going to look at how God has empowered us to be the church that he has called us to be. Is that good? All right. I have a lengthy passage that we are going to read together, uh, so brace yourself, but it's in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 14. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 14. It says, All praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered us his he has showered us sorry, he has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. All the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise to the glory of God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth and good news that God saves you. And when you believe in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased to us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for your mercies. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Heavenly Father, dear God, that you've given us this word so we may know more about your goodness, know more about your glories, that, Lord, we may be drawn closer to you, that we may gain understanding, knowledge of your will, and that we may grow as one body. We bless you this morning. We welcome your spirit to help us understand and receive the word that you have for us this morning. Amen. 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 Awesome. All right. I want to share one of my favorite memories with you. Uh, Looking back the last couple of years, um, and just in times of uncertainty, um, 
one of my favorite moments in, I think, for me, it's probably going to be one of my favorite moments in history. It hasn't quite made history books yet, but it goes back to the start of the pandemic. So our world leaders stepped up um, and uh, what was it, March 2020, and they made you know, the announcement that we were entering into new territory. We were entering into uncertain times and that we would be facing things that we haven't seen and that we'd have to do things that we haven't done and that we have to be you know, vigilant and take care of our families and protect each other, protect our families. And so, somewhere, somehow, somebody thought, you know, the best way to protect my family right now would be toilet paper. <laughs> Do you remember that? How ridiculous was that? And I kid you not, I am convinced that they were in a room with many other voices and they went, yeah, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And from that point on, for a week or two, the world saw panic. People went crazy because people were under the assumption that the best weapon of choice was toilet paper. Toilet paper. The best thing that we would need in order to protect our families was toilet paper. Man, people got arrested for this. People were in grocery stores and got arrested for fighting over toilet paper. Families were torn apart. You know, engagements were called off. And I was like, thank you for the diamond ring, but wait a minute. Where's the toilet paper? Do you not understand the times? You could have brought toilet paper immediately. No, I don't think so. Where's the toilet paper? How crazy is that? How crazy were we? How irrational was that? Do you remember that? It was insane. And I wish I could say that I was the one who stepped behind and went, this too shall pass. People are crazy. You know, the first two, three days I did, until Superstore and Costco and grocery stores said one package for family. And I thought, man, I need toilet paper. I need toilet paper. I don't know why, I don't know for what, but I need toilet paper. Somehow, this, this is just gonna help me out. Toilet paper, man, it became the most valuable commodity in the black market. How hilarious is that? That's crazy. Oh my goodness. Oh, wow. So, toilet paper. Toilet paper, uh, and then, you know what? It made me laugh because I thought, man, when we don't know what we are doing and we don't know what's to come, you know, we just have these feelings of lack. We just have these feelings of uncertainty. And sometimes we just wonder, man, do we have enough? Are we going to have the right tools, you know, to face what we're facing, where we're going? And this is uh, some of the tension that Paul has to wrestle with as he's writing to the church in Ephesus. So he writes him this letter, you know, he's in prison, he writes him this letter, and it is a letter that is encouraging. Actually, it starts off with a poem. So the beginning part of that letter, it's a poem, and it's a poem to just show God's abundance, how God has them in mind, how God has everything in his perfect plan, everything is a part of his greater plan for them, and that they lack nothing. And he wants to show them that God loves them, that God has empowered them with his spirit, that God um, went as far, you know, as to include them and use them to demonstrate his glory so that they could praise him for all eternity. And it's just this really beautiful poem encouraging the church of Ephesus, letting them know that God is in control. You lack nothing. You are okay. You're going to be fine. You are a part of God's promise God hasn't forgotten you, and you're going to be okay. 
And I thought, man, that was so fitting, especially for us. And this morning, we're going to look at different sections of the letter of Ephesians and see how we as a church, you know, small C church, big C church, as the body of Christ, are a part of God's perfect plan. How God loves us, how God has empowered us with his spirit, and how God has us in mind and God chose us, right, to just display his glory, so we get to look at that, and I think it's an important time, it's an important, you know, uh, message for such a time, because in times of chaos and craziness, and the world is just going wild, oh my goodness, if you're on Instagram, get off it, it's insane, I'm on Instagram, I need to get off it, <laughs> it is insane what we're seeing out there, right, the different headlines, right, uh, the different news reports, the different stories, we're just seeing people in uproar for different reasons, different causes, and you just stop and wonder and go, God, are we, are we going to be okay, are we going to make it? You know, are we a part of your plan? Do you have a plan? You know, and so we're going to look at this letter just to see how, how God actually has empowered us. God has empowered us to keep being the church that he has called us to be. All right? Okay, so we're going to start off by looking at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. And so it says, awesome. All praise to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us in his own family, bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do and gave him and it gave him great pleasure. It gave him great pleasure. And the first point we see here is that God loves us. God loves the church. God loves the church of Ephesus. God loves us today. And God went as far as to give us his very best, to give us his son to die for our sins so that we can be presented as flawless. We can come before his presence and we can be adopted into his family. God loves us. God loves us so much. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that anyone who believes shall not perish but have eternal life. The first point is that God loves us. And because he loves us, it brings us to point number two. And point number two is in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12 to 14. And it says, God's purpose was that we Jews, are we there? Awesome. God's purpose was that we Jews were the first to trust in Christ, were the first trust in Christ would bring glory, praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. So because God loves us, he has given us his Spirit. This is a big deal. And for um, many of us to understand the significance of this, we need to understand what the Jews and the Gentiles would have understood when they read this. And so, um, 
To help us understand, I'm just going to use a couple of passages, and then we'll come back as to why it is important and why this speaks like God is giving us his Holy Spirit, all right? So let's turn to Acts chapter 19, verse 1 to 7. Awesome. So it says, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior region until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked. No, they replied. We haven't heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were 12 men in all. Romans 8, verse 9 to 11 says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, in, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ, Jesus, from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. What Paul is trying to say, and what the Jews are understanding, is that God is giving the Holy Spirit, and it's a big deal because when they hear this, they go, God is fulfilling a promise. Because back then, the Jews, when they were anticipating the arrival of the Messiah, they knew that when Messiah would come, he would make available his spirit to all of God's people. And up until that point, the only people who had access to God's spirit was just a select few. At random times, for different reasons, we have, you know, the prophet Isaiah, where he says the God's spirit has uh, come upon me, right? We have King David, when he was fighting Goliath, you know, his, the spirit of God was upon him. Then we also have, um, uh, we have some judges, we have some kings. So only a select few people had the spirit of God. But when they had the spirit of God, it meant that God's fullness was upon them. And God says that when the Messiah arrives, my fullness, all of me will dwell in you. And so there was great anticipation of, man, Jesus is coming. Or uh, they didn't know which is the time, but like, Messiah is coming, Messiah is coming. And so when they think of the good news, when they hear the good news of the gospel, it involves receiving the Holy Spirit. This is important because for myself, I don't know about you, but for the longest time, when I was presented the message of the gospel, it went something like this. You know, the kingdom of God has come, right? Uh, and it is now... Because of that, Jesus is here on earth and Christ has died for us and he has resurrected us and we have been made new. And we make an emphasis on, you know, the death and repentance, which is amazing, but we never really go that next step of talking about how we have received God's Holy Spirit. And I'm sure it's implied in the made new part. However, it's not what gets us excited, but it is what got the Jews excited they were so excited that Messiah would come, his kingdom had arrived, and that upon repentance, their sins would be forgiven, and that they would receive Holy Spirit. They would receive the fullness of God upon them. In them, God's best would dwell in them. So this got them excited. So when we read in Acts, and Paul's going, hey, 
You know, are you baptized? Are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? And they're like, well, no, we didn't know. That response, that response is, what? You mean, you mean he's here? You mean it's available? You mean Holy Spirit is, it's possible? God, God is here? He's ready to impart himself on every single person who so believes? And he's like, yes, absolutely. And it just brought them great joy. And the people that he baptized, or that who were baptized in the Spirit, were his disciples who walked with Jesus. So they had been previously baptized, right, by the baptism of John, and now they're being baptized in the Spirit. And to keep things simple, God has given us his Spirit, and that's worth. It's something that we can be excited about. It's worth thanking God for. You know, it's something that we can rejoice because it means that God in his fullness dwells in us, and we see that in Romans 8. Does that make sense? So God loves us, and because he loves us, he has empowered us with his spirit. And that activates something. Right? It means that we can now, what does it say? We can now be, take part in God's perfect plan. So let's look at Acts chapter 3, verse 6 to 10. Or sorry, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6 to 10. It says, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, has kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out in Christ Jesus. God's love, God loves us. God has given us the Holy Spirit. And because of that, we get to take part in fulfilling God's purpose. We get to be a part of God's plan. And that plan is that the church would display God's glory. That plan is that the church would display God's glory. So we are empowered because God loves us to display the glory of God. What is the glory of God? His holiness, his worthiness, his goodness, and more. And so much more. And God decided to use us, the church, the body, to display his goodness, to display his holiness, to display his worthiness, to display his glory. And that is a big deal. And so forth, it allows us to be empowered to be the church that God has called us to be. When? At all times. At all times, during any period, we are called to be the church that displays the glory of God. Amen. And that is why this is a message for such a time. 
And it's important that we are empowered by God's spirit, that we can go out into the world and display God's glory, that we can go out to the world, and when the world looks at us, they say, oh, wow, glory to God, right? The same way that creation, when we look at creation, it points to a good God, that when we go out to the world, the world looks at us, we, our conduct as a church, as a body, we point to God's glory, We point to God's glory. So God chose to trust us with the answer to everything. How cool is that? How awesome is that? So how do we do this? How do we become the church that God has empowered, right? How do we do this? Well, we start by being Or I should say, we start by resembling a unified body at all times. We start by being the unified body that God has called us to be. So what does that mean? It means our engagement with the body of Christ matters. Our engagement with the body of Christ matters. So, When one of us is not engaging, when one of us is not a part of the body, we feel it. When one of us is hurting, we feel it. When one of us is lacking, we feel it. Why? Because as one body, one unified body, we together display the glory of God. We carry the answer for the world. Right? And so we need to resemble a unified body. Our engagement with the body matters. Somewhere along the line, I don't know when, we have been okay with the lie that when it comes to Christianity, me and God alone is enough. That's a lie. Church is important. Church is not optional. Your engagement with the body is not optional. Okay? Church is important. Now, I have to be careful. I understand that maybe you're watching and you're going, does that mean I have to be at church every single Sunday? I mean, ideally, yes, because we love you. That would be awesome. You know, that would be really cool. (laughs) No, I'm talking about engagement. I mean, you are part of a body where people, they know you, where you are loved where your giftings can be used, you know? Engagement, whether that's Sunday morning or Tuesday or Wednesday, but there is a continuous engagement. You know your place in the body of Christ. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Church is actually not optional. Church was a part of God's plan. Church is a part of God's plan. We have to resemble a unified body. And I just want to uh, make a quick note. I know there are people here who are going, well, I've been hurt by the church. And I believe Pastor Todd had alluded to this, but I want to just reemphasize this one more time. You matter. You matter. Every single one of us matters. And if you've been sitting in the sidelines hurting and going, I just don't know. Is it worth it? I just can't trust. There is healing that's available in Christ. Amen. The first place you can place your trust in is in Jesus Because we together are unified in Christ. 
you can start there. You can start in Jesus to find healing, to find restoration, to find courage, to find strength. But do not be deceived and do not believe the lies that you don't matter. All right? Our engagement, all of us together, with the body of Christ matters. Because God is using the whole body. The whole, the whole, the whole body. Right? The whole body. Not just our evangelists. Not just our pastors. Right? What is it? We like to play with not just the hands, not just the feet. You can determine which side, of, which part of the body you are, you know. Um, <laughs> not just our prophets. Everybody. Everybody's engagement in the body of Christ matters. Number two. We need to set our minds on things above. As the body of Christ. I know we've heard this before as individuals, but as the body of Christ, we need to set our minds on things above. Let me give an example to see what this looks like. When our minds are unified in Christ, we are constantly remembering his goodness. So when we read the Bible, when we begin to engage with the Bible, knowing that we are a part of one body, we begin to see scripture a little differently. Let me bring to remembrance, and this I bring to remembrance, the steadfast love of the Lord never fails. His mercies are new every morning over the body, over the church, over us as one body. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. What if we looked at day as this is the day, as in this is the age? This is the age that the Lord has made such times God has made us as one body. We will rejoice and be glad during these times. Right? We set our minds on things above. We set our minds on God's goodness, on God's glory, on God's holiness, God's worthiness. When we speak of renewing our mind, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Body of Christ, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but let us all be transformed by what? By renewing our minds together as one body, single-minded. Let us set our minds on things above. And here's why that's important, because this our thoughts impact our conduct. So if our conduct is off, then our thinking is off. And if we just want to look at what our conduct has been like the last little bit, I don't know. We can grade ourselves. But I think there are moments where we've fallen short in this area, hey? I think there are moments where we can look and go, man, we've been divided. We haven't been single-minded. Instead, we've been double-minded pushing our personal agendas, our personal opinions, our personal perspectives before the things of God and expecting God to do what? No, but let's be honest. Expecting God to do what? To use us? He can't. Because the Spirit is grieved when there's disunity. 
And so he pulls back. And then we just watch ourselves fall apart. (laughs) We need to be unified. We need to be unified. We need to set our minds on things that please God. So that our conduct pleases God. So that our ways please God. When we set our minds on things that please God, you know our priorities are readjusted. Our priorities are realigned. All of a sudden, God's ways are what? My ways, our ways. God's thoughts are our thoughts. God's priorities are are our priorities. Jesus said, I am about my father's business. So as one body, Jesus being the head, we are about what? Our father's business. When we set our minds on things above, our priorities are realigned. Our conduct looks a little different. A quick hit on conduct. We can't have a double standard when it comes to, I don't know how to put this. Let me just, I'll just be honest. We can't keep saying yes to sin. We can't keep saying yes to sin. And typically, you know, we love to look at quick hitters, sexual immorality, gambling, lying, you know, smoking, boom, 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 boom. Discourse is sin. Quirling is sin. Pride is sin. Acting out of anger is sin. It does not please God. And it will not help us in displaying the glory of God. And at some point, at one point, we've all fallen short. But we need each other. We need to lean on each other to get better in this area. We cannot rely on our own individual efforts to overcome sin. We need, we need the redemptive power of Christ. We need the Holy Spirit and we need the body. We need each other. So when it comes to sin, we need to be quick to say, yes, Holy Spirit, convict my heart. Because there is something bigger at play. There is something bigger at play. We want to be set apart. That when the world looks at us, they say what? Glory to God. When the world looks at us, they say, wow, there's hope there. There is peace there. There is freedom there. There is freedom. One body, one mind. Our conduct is in alignment. We're set apart. And then together, we need to be praying together. And in the book, of, or in the letter to the Ephesians, Paul has incredible prayers. Prayers that we can use. Specific prayers that we can use at all times. And not just in the letter. I'll reference these uh, specific prayers. But throughout the whole Bible, there are prayers that we can pick up to encourage each other. There are prayers that we can pick up to pray over their body. There are prayers that we can pick up to pray over each other. We have prayer. We have prayer so that we can keep ourselves in alignment with God. We can always know what his will is. We can continue to glorify him in everything that we do. 
Prayer is powerful. Prayer is important. Prayer together is important. Prayer together is important. Right? Prayer together. We're going to have many opportunities this year to have prayer gatherings. Monday night prayer, first Sunday, Pastor Peter mentioned it. Prayer together is important. Okay, let's look at some of these prayers. So, we have, oh, I lost my marking. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord, Jesus, and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father, for our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in places of honor at God's right hand and in, in heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler and authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under, under, under things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete in Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. And this is Paul praying that we would be wise, that we would understand, that we would be encouraged, that we would be reminded that God has given us his fullness and that we are made complete. Margaret, you can come up. And we have this, a prayer for spiritual growth. When I think of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his peace. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots, our roots. Our roots will grow down into God's love and keep us strong. And we may have the power to understand, as all God's people, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love. May we experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then we may be made complete with all fullness of life and power that comes from God. So now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we may ask or think. Glory to him in the church, in us, and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God has empowered us that we may be the church that he has called us to be. 
that when we go out into the world, we can go public and display his glory. That in our thinking, we display his glory. In our conduct, we display his glory. In our love for one another, we display his glory. In our service towards each other, we display his glory. In our prayers together, in our gatherings together, we display his glory. We show the world that there is a good God. A good God who brings freedom, a good God who brings peace, a good God who brings joy, a good God who brings comfort, God's glory, all of his goodness. That is the answer to the world. There is a good God, a good God who loves us, who died for us, who gave us his one and only son, who adopted us, gave us an identity in Christ, forgave our sins, made us one, and filled us with his fullness, gave us all his goodness, and then gave us purpose. And so for the rest of eternity, you will give me honor and glory, and you will show the world that I am good. And in so doing, we are satisfied we are renewed, we are set free, we continue to become Christ-like, we are purposeful, we are hopeful. We are empowered to become the church that God has called us to be at all times, in every season, and today.